The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building Resilience. Talking Trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Good morning, Australia. Good evening, America. You're listening to Radio Tony live with your host, Tony Lontis. For those of you listening for the first time, if you want to know more about me and my radio show, just jump onto my website, TonyLontis.com. Radio Tony also has its own Facebook page, and I'll pop those links into the chat box for those that are listening, but Radio Tony is on Facebook as well. So just I thought I'd open the program today by telling you a bit of what I've been up to lately because I haven't had that conversation with you for a while and 2019 was such a busy year with the publication of my first book and then starting the radio show and connecting with lots of amazing people. This week I had the pleasure of speaking to a group of women in a business setting to talk about their business and we had the conversation about how Often in business, particularly when you become your own brand, your self and your business are almost like one. And it was a wonderful experience to talk to all the women in the world and discuss how I got to be where I am today. And for me, that was a conversation around healing from multiple traumas across many decades and also learning how to step outside my comfort zone and we will be talking more about leading a life of passion probably with both of our guests today and before I introduce you to our first guest Catherine Wiseman I also want to remind you that this year sees me launching transformational tours with Tony So that is the holiday or tour arm of what I do and I've wanted for many years to take people away on a week's holiday where you not only got to have rest relaxation but you also got to participate in something that means you're giving back to the world. So I wanted to inspire those people who are keen to be the change that they want to see in the world and let them experience an immersive tour in the Philippines. 
And why did I choose the Philippines? Because it's such a diversely interesting country. It has elements of Spanish, American and indigenous Filipino culture mixed together in a great big melting pot. And as probably most of you know, the Philippines is a very poor country compared to the Western countries of the world. And so I wanted to take you away and let you experience what it's like to be a Philippine family that lives on the money you spend on takeaway, that's what they live on for a month. We will be sponsoring a feeding program in one of the slum projects in Manila and those that come away on tour with me will be able to experience that and also stay with a family in a village where the Filipino locals have the ability to earn their own little home. And the way that they do that is by donating hours in exchange for a real house to live in. Admittedly, they are small in terms of US and Western society norms, but they allow the poorer people and those living in slum areas to get a leg up. And so my transformational tours to the Philippines will include learning about how social enterprise helps these people in the Philippines. And then also combined with that, we will enjoy the vast beauty of the Philippines in and around Manila and then flying off to the most beautiful island in the world called Coron. And there we'll have some time to relax, enjoy some more tourist activities, the hot springs, massage, wonderful restaurant food and some individual and group time with me as we explore some concepts around healing and some mind work. So I'd really love it for anyone listening today who wants to join me on the Philippines tour in May. I'm going to put up the uh, Facebook site where you can go and get more information. And of course, you can always find more information on my website, tonylontis.com. And I'll also put up Radio Tony's Facebook page. So for those of you that are listening, I would love it if you would get on there and comment, uh, share, subscribe, all of those things. I love to hear from you, the listeners. I find it really important that we engage on a regular basis and I'd love to know what you'd like to hear on the show. So mostly I have amazing people who come to me each week and ask, can I be on the show? And for the most part, these wonderful people are people that I put on the show. But for those that you of you that are listening, I'm wanting to know, are there any other subjects that you want to hear about? Is there something particularly burning that you'd like some education around? Is there a story 
Do you have a friend who has an inspiring story? Radio Tony, as you know, is a platform for the unheard. And I like to give people the opportunity to tell their story live on air. There's something powerful about speaking your truth live on air and over the airways. And then, of course, the live show is then converted to a podcast. And the podcast enables people to read listen at any time the other thing is that i am just about the end at the end of my sponsorship package with my current sponsor so if anyone's listening and you know someone who would like to sponsor an empowering radio show please put them in contact with me i'd love to talk to them about what a sponsorship package on radio tony looks like and i'd love to tell them how being live on radio gets your message out to the world and particularly if you have a business message or you have a particular skill that you want to tell the world about, then Radio Tony is the platform for doing that. So also this week, I'm wondering how the weather's going in the US. I know it's winter over there for you. It's the middle of summer over here for us. And of course, I live in Queensland, which is on the, in the southern part of Queensland, and we have hot, humid summers. And I can tell you this year, the humidity has almost been completely unbearable. So much so that for the first time since we've had air conditioning about five years ago, we've predominantly had the air conditioner running full on just to try and keep the house cool. The animals, we've had to build an additional shelter. So those of you who are regular listeners to Radio Tony, you know that I have seven beautiful goats and two gorgeous llamas and avocado llama and apu moche llama have decided that this year is a bit too hot for them. So they've been spending lots of time under their normal shelter. But additionally, we've built a big shelter down underneath one of the big trees on our property so that they have a place that is not so much closed in so their existing shelter and shed is predominantly closed in the shelter down near the tree is kind of open it just has a roof and uh, bamboo to cover it and Apu Moche in particular seems to enjoy going down there from lunchtime until mid-afternoon and then as the afternoon wears on they tend to go out and do their grazing. Thankfully we've had some rain and we've been able to, uh, they've been able to graze quite freely on the wonderful new lush grass and we've been able to settle our feeding pattern prior to that as you may know we've had to supplement feed them with lots of hay, chaff and goat feed and now the grass has come back lush and beautiful and they're enjoying grazing on that so before we go to the break our next guest is called Catherine Weisenberg and she talks about the beyond ever after um, and talks about your heartfelt journey through death 
and into the afterlife. And so when we come back from the break, I will introduce you to Catherine properly and we have some amazing um, discussions for you around life after death and what that looks like. So over to you, Rebel, for a short break and when we come back, we will have Catherine live on air. Over to you, Rebel. Radio Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with your secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Radio Tony on W4WN, your safe space for tough conversations. And welcome back to Radio Tony. This morning we have Catherine live on air. And Catherine, for several decades, has been shaping her unique ability to communicate and dialogue with God, the deceased, and coma patients. To read a lasting record of these communications, Catherine writes the conversations longhand as they occur and calls them writings. Although Catherine, uh, although intimate to the recipient, the writings are beautiful in their imagery and metaphor, often involving universal themes of self-growth, interpersonal relationships and life challenges. She is grateful to serve others by facilitating the transmission of spirit, wisdom and healing energy. Using God writings from retreat settings, Catherine has created the concept of lovability as a love-based approach to living and experiencing reality. She offers lovability workshops, books and cards and you can find out more about Catherine on her website which I'll put up into the chat box very shortly and I am really pleased to introduce you today to the lovely Catherine Wiseman. Hello Catherine. Just take Catherine off mute if I can. No, unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be removing itself from mute. Are you there, Catherine? Okay, so we're going to have to get Rebel to get Catherine back onto the show um, and hopefully she'll join us again soon. Catherine's journey has been in uh, death and afterlife and we have Catherine back. Hello, Catherine. How are you? Hi. I'm great. I'm not sure why I was muted, but <laughs> I'm working now. So Fantastic. Um, we have challenges with technology from time to time. When it works, it's beautiful. When it doesn't, it's a little stressful. <laughs> so thank you for being on Radio Tony this morning, Catherine. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on. And I want to firstly talk about your um, life and then we'll get on to our questions. So tell me 
has this always been part of your life or was it something that you discovered during your life? Um, well, this uh, gift came uh, sort of as God's cosmic joke. I was in graduate <laughs> school studying mm-hmm. communication of all things and uh, just started having these unexplicit um, otherworldly experiences. And yes. um, it sort of went from there uh, where I would know things about people or be directed to say things to them and uh, it would have meaning to them and they would have um, releases and reactions all positive and uh, uh, I've been doing that for now over 30 years. Oh fantastic. Um, Catherine was it a little scary when it first the gift first came to you or was it always something that you readily accepted? Uh, no, it was pretty, um, scary because, you know, I was, uh, getting directives to go up to strangers and say things like the blue car under the trundle bed or some sort of cryptic thing. That isn't what I do now. It's full blown dialogue, but, um, yes, I didn't want to approach strangers and, but I would do it. And, uh, they always knew what it meant. It always, um, made sense to them, uh, wow. even though it didn't to me and I'd be like, okay, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> but, um, I sought, you know, um, I sought help, uh, thinking, am I losing my mind? But I knew that I could not get s- complete strangers to collude with my, uh, delusions you know I knew I didn't know these people and they knew what it meant even if I did not and um, so finally I had a friend who had two priests that were also psychologists and they said oh this is the gift of the spirit this is nothing to be frightened for and I was like are you sure and they said no you know if it helps people you know it's um, it's good and if you see any ill effects coming then stop doing it and I was like I I didn't even start it I don't know how to stop it but so (laughs) but you uh, don't want to stop it now do you no 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 it's my life's work so I wanted to talk about Jocelyn and your experience with Jocelyn Jocelyn can you explain that to me Catherine sure so Jocelyn um was my realtor and friend's sister and Jocelyn's husband um Kevin had brain cancer and he had had a surgery three and a half years before I um had my uh, uh situation that we talk about in our book beyond ever after a heart to heart journey through death and the afterlife. But anyway, so her husband had brain cancer. They did a surgery and they did radiation and chemotherapy. And they said this, it was a glioblastoma. And they said, this always comes back. Uh, And when it does, it will not be pretty. And so sure. They gave her like them a three year to three and a half year time window. It came back and mm-hmm. um, her husband and she uh, selected to go and have surgery at UCLA. We live in yes. Santa Barbara, California. And yes. um, anyway, during that surgery, um, they knew that it wouldn't save his life, but they thought it would extend it. But during that surgery, after uh, the surgery went fine, but after the 
um, surgery, the surgeon, um, her husband tore an artery in his head. um, And so he was in a coma for 26 days. um, And he had had five additional brain surgeries and um, he wasn't waking up. So my friend Vicki, which is her sister, said, you know, you should have a session with Catherine. And she wasn't wanting to do that, but she was all out of hope. The, the uh, neurosurgeons and uh, physicians can, couldn't figure out how to wake yeah. him up. So she yeah. scheduled, reluctantly scheduled a session with me and I was on vacation in Washington state. And she was in, um, in uh, LA at, at the hospital um, where her husband was. Um, yeah. And during the phone session, um, and she didn't believe any of it. She thought this is all, you know, a bunch of, you know, yeah. made up things. But yeah. during this, during the phone call, her husband, so she, her husband um, was an attorney. She is an attorney. And yeah. so she asked him a test question and uh, she said, what's the last thing you remember? And he said, I remember reaching up and taking Linda's hand and saying, thank you for doing this, Linda. And what had happened was when her husband had the surgery, the surgeon came out as they do and to update her how the surgery went. She said, before I tell you, everything went fine, but, um, you know, your husband's the nicest man, you know, as we were oh. willing to in. He took my hand and said, thanks for doing that, Linda. Well, then Jocelyn, who thought this was could not even be possibly uh, true, yeah. knew that there's no way that I would know what her husband had said to the surgeon so then she said well you know he said why are you in my dream he thought he was having a post anesthetic dream he was communicating through me as I do my use my gift I facilitate that connection and she said no you're you know you're in UCLA you've had all these surgeries you've been in a coma for 26 days I'm really scared I don't know what to do and he said no I'm just in a post-anesthetic dream and she said no you're you're in the hospital and I'm really scared you're in ICU and he's like no and he said well I'm gonna wake myself he goes I'm gonna conduct an experiment and he and he woke himself up out of the coma while we were on the phone (gasps) having the session now woke himself up as Jocelyn would say, as he didn't like sit up and say, Oh, I want to have a cup of coffee, but he (laughs) roused himself and they actually moved him to rehab. They brought in a speech therapist, um, you know, so he got dramatically better. Unfortunately, the cancer was still there. Um, even though they had removed the tumor, it just, and so, um, then he, um, went back into a coma. And um, yes. so our book contains the writings when he woke up and then yeah. at UCLA and at hospice saying goodbye to his children and then oh. his communication to her after he died. So, wow. Yeah. It's, it's wow. an extraordinary, but very true story. So that's amazing. Catherine, we've got some lovely um, questions coming in from our listeners. Zara okay. wants to know, did you feel strange walking up to people and telling them random things? Uh, I, I most certainly did, but I felt more strange because they knew what it meant. And people who would be sitting in a restaurant would, would just, the person would start crying and, you know, <gasps> 
and the other pe- the person who they were with would look at me and they would look at me and I would be like, okay, bye, because I was so embarrassed. I didn't know what anything was. And they'd be like, wait, come back. So yes, it was, um, but I, it was almost like a kid pulling on your shirt, say it, say it. So, yeah, you know, and finally yeah. I trusted it. And um, once I made peace with it, I I didn't, you know, it seemed like that abated and I just could work with people and yes. directly, you know. Yeah. So. Catherine, Hetty wants to know, did anyone ever get angry about any of these messages? No. Oh, thank goodness for <laughs> I that. I know, <laughs> which is why, <laughs> I mean, which is great. I mean, great that those priests told me, you know, if you ever see any negative effect, Yes. And I can, I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these sessions and the yes. God writings and no negative effects. Fantastic. That, that I would be worried about that, that you would get people that were angry with you. Um, and Leo wants to know, how old were you when you got this gift? 28. Oh, Wow. Do you think that it was always there, but you it was a realization at twenty eight or mm, no? No, uh, not at all. I mean, it yeah. came so randomly. I I don't know. Although when I was eighteen, I have had what I believe was sort of a near death experience. I I mean, I didn't clinically die or anything, yes. but. I had some very strange experience and I wasn't doing drugs or, you know, any weird thing like that. But I went to this place and I knew um, that I was somehow I'm like, uh, I must be dead. And I was communicating Uh with these beings and I said, am I dead? And they said, yes, you're dead. And I, and then I said, oh my gosh, I was like, I would be scared, but then all of a sudden it would be like, everything's fine. And in my 18 year old girl, you know, naivete, I said, well, if I'm dead, I want to see my uncle Eddie, which was the only person that I knew in my life that had died. And they said, well, you'll get to see him, but not now. And I was moving towards this light and I, I was going and it felt where they say it feels like bliss or ecstasy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can tell you, I've never had that feeling in my life um, before or now. Um, And uh, I came to an imaginary kind of stopping point or whatever. And I said, why am I stopping? And they said, you have a choice. You can go on or you can go back. And I said, if I choose to go back, does that mean I can't come back to this place because it felt so good? And they said, no, you can come back. And I said, I think I have more work to do. And boom, I was back in my body. (gasps) So I think even though it was 10 years later, I believe this, I have more work to do is the work that I've been doing and spent my adult life doing these last, Mm -hmm. you know, 30 some odd years. So, Yeah. yeah. Um, back to the book, and I want to ask you, before you experienced talking to Kevin in a coma, had you experienced that particular situation before? With coma people? Yeah. With dead people? Yes. Well, with coma people first, and then I'll ask yeah. you about dead people. With yeah. coma people, yes, of course. Uh-huh. Um, 
but not anyone that actually woke up. Like Kevin said, I want to tap my finger. And that was part of his experiment, which is talked about in the book, because he wanted to test it out. And when he saw he could tap his finger, then he knew he wasn't dreaming. So he used his brain to send a message to his body. Um, Other coma people, you know, they can talk about what's going on, but nobody has roused themselves um, like he did. I mean, he actually woke up during the phone call. So that's pretty unique, isn't it? Right. And did, what did his doctors think about this? They had, they had no explanation, um, uh-huh. except for they had been trying all kinds of things yeah. to wake him up unsuccessfully. Um, he, his wife, Jocelyn, says, you know, he had shunts in his brain. He, yeah. You know, the, it was really um, – and then his doctors really thought he had much longer to live uh, even after he woke up and then was awake for that time period and then went back into the coma, they said, well, you know, you need to take him home now. But we think he has, I think they said four months or something like yeah. that. Um, but I got what I call a God nudge that I was supposed to go down and yeah. do another in-person writing. Cause I had just only talked to her we were on the the telephone and Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I went down there and he said he wanted to not go home, which she had her house all set up to bring him home. He wanted to go to the hospice facility we have here in Santa Barbara that he did not want his children to have their house and the memories of their house and their family tainted by having him die. And he told his wife, you know, it won't be long. And so she reluctantly decided to take him to hospice. And um, he -hmm. died like, I think it was six or seven days later in hospice. So um, anyway. And then after he passed, you continued to have conversations with Kevin that you passed on to Jocelyn. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because Jocelyn, it would be question answer. It was like dialogue. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And how Uh, did that? Some unsolicited messages, I call them. I'm sorry, Tony, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you go ahead. I'm interested in the unsolicited ones. Um, So, yes. So sometimes people just, I call them unsolicited because they just come and you know, have Annoyed a message you? and yeah. Um, and so, uh, yes, he, he re- receives, she receives some of those and also yeah. dialogues with him. And does it, does it last? So I'm interested in like the time frame. So obviously after they've uh, first passed, there's probably a lot of communication. Does it then slow down as the loved one settles into their new afterlife is that how it works it's not um like for jocelyn she continued to talk to kevin five six years out he's been gone six years so there wasn't a time frame but let's say i have someone that i um do a writing for they can talk to their grandmother who's been dead you know or their great grandmother or whomever i mean um, so there doesn't seem to be a, uh, a time variable there. I was with a lady today at a class and we were sitting next to each other and she said, my husband and I promised each other, she, he was apparently ill, that we, yes. that he, we would talk 
that he would come and let me know he was okay. And she said, it's been a year and a half and I haven't heard anything. And I said, well, you know, I think sometimes for some people, they uh, have to, you know, there, it's not like you just die and you can do that. Although I've Mm -hmm. had people, Mm -hmm. I had a client once whose brother had committed suicide, unfortunately, in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I was in California and she got the phone call and within an hour she was talking to her brother. So it's very individual and it's, you know. Which leads me to a, a question that I had was, is this connection with the afterlife available to anyone so uh for my in in my instance it's my great grandmother has been passed for 30 35 years and i just uh, is it still possible to connect or is it just an individual well i think that we're always connected to our loved yes. ones who passed yes, yes. right now it maybe you're not having the full dialogue, like for whatever reason I'm able to facilitate. But yeah. I always say that, and this is what I told this lady that I was talking to in this class today, is we're connected in our hearts. That's our yes. portal. Yes. We're always connected. We always have access. And and if you talk to people, everybody can say, oh, I smelled my grandma's perfume. We've all had those yeah. kind of strange odd experiences and we think oh that was a coincidence i i must be crazy this can't be real so i and one of the points we make in the book is trust that love trust that connection is eternal and trust your own experience of it but in terms of what you're asking about Mm -hmm. are they available um you know i don't know because it is such an individual thing Mm -hmm. um And, you know, um, so I always say that if somebody, um, you know, finds that connection, finds a person, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who say they can do a lot of things. I mean, the, the amazing thing that I get to see over and over again is like with Jocelyn, where they say something so specific or something that, you know, it's not generic. It's very specific in our books full of those dialogues. And they're watching her husband's sites, how her son picked up the guitar and what kind of guitar. So they're aware of the people that we love that have passed on. Mm -hmm. They're aware of us and what's going on and, you know. Catherine, do people always need you to facilitate that connection? So if we go to Jocelyn again, can she connect with Kevin without you or does she always need you? No. For that kind of a dialogue, just like we're talking, yes. Yes. She can't. She doesn't have that. For whatever reason, my antenna is able up. My gift is able to do that. But she, she gets... And we talk about it in the book. She gets what I call divine synchronicities. So for Kevin, squirrels were very important. And uh, he had this whole thing about squirrels. And now squirrels are appearing to her in her yard where they never (laughs) were before. And, you know, so and I think we all um, or many people that you talk to who have lost a loved one sometimes say, oh, I'll see a penny or something that was significant to the person. So, yeah. but a full dialogue, no, she, 
I mean, that, that is, um, a unique gift. (laughs) Yes. Yes. When you talk about spirit, what does that mean for you, Catherine? Well, for me, spirit and soul, um, spirit is, you know, we have a bot, excuse me. Yes. We have a, we have a body, obviously we have an identity and we have a self. And when we die, we may, we do not me drop the body, but our essence, our soul, and even characteristics of our personality, our Mm -hmm. humor, um, certain aspects of us, those stay with us. So, um, it's not like we just go through a car wash and we come out all spick and span, you know, and we don't retain who we are. Um, and soul is something that's imbued and given to us. It's ours. It's eternal spirit to me is the animation of souls. So Mm -hmm. spirit would be the, the living energy of a soul, whereas soul is the essence or the core or, um, you know, and I'm, I'm, um, I'm a Christian, but I also believe in all different traditions. So, um, you know, I think that's why it's so important, um, that when we die, whatever our orientation is, whatever we think it's going to be, what we believe we receive, it's, it's that, that simple. So Kevin was really a Christian. I think he was a rah-rah Christian. And so meaning he, you know, he carried a Bible, he was a Jesus believer. So he reports he was greeted by Jesus. Now a Hindu would not, a Hindu client would never say that, you know, but, uh, but cause that hereafter, um, the afterlife is in our book, um, God talks about, it's not the afterlife. Why is, why is the emphasis afterlife? Like what we're doing here is the most important thing. It's new life. It's a new life. It's a new state of consciousness. Um, so, um, that whole, I'm, I'm fascinated that you mentioned that you're a Christian because, Mm Um, how does that align with your gift? Because from my perspective, I I was, I grew up in a a semi-Christian household. And so things of spirit and talking to the dead was considered never to do dangerous, bad, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I no longer believe that. So I'm interested in that, how you align your Christian beliefs with your amazing gift. Well, that was the, 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 the wonderful thing about these two pre-psychologists. Yes. Because I said, aren't, you know, aren't you sure this could, I mean, this might be the devil, you know? Yes. Because, uh, because yes. we're raised like that, right? That's uh, correct. That's prevailing, you know, stay away from any of that. And yeah. they said no. And they showed me passages in the actual Bible about yes. gifts of the spirit, speaking in tongues, healing. Yes. There's, it's, uh, we just don't ever really think that perhaps that could really be true for one of us. And indeed, um, so, 
um, for me, God is love and it's that loving energy force. It's that healing. It's what lets a mother lift a car off of her child. Yes. You know, we're so unlimited in our own abilities um, when we're not frightened or afraid. Um, But yeah, so for me, it all aligns. And I see miracles all the time. Yes. I, I have 30 years of that. And so my boundaries of I can believe in a in a Christian narrative, yes. but I know that that um, you know a, a Buddhist is as close to source e- as I am. That exactly. my particular particular my preference is not uh, the uh, protocol that gets us to heaven or gets us to be connected to this universal love that. You know, if you have a child with blue eyes and brown eyes, you don't say, I only like the blue-eyed child. Yeah. Forget this brown-eyed child. Yes, Catherine, so, absolutely. So for me, it's it's uh, after they gave me that piece of information, the, the two priests, which was very early on in this experience, I thought, okay, I'm going to trust, you know, and... And that's what they said. You know how you judge these? You judge them by their fruits. If they help people, yes. you know they're from God. And if you see anything negative, stop it. Then it, yeah, yeah. So. I, I, my beliefs have expanded exponentially to include all of the gifts that various uh, humans have. Um, Catherine, Beth wants to know, is this like some kind of calling for me, a calling or yes. Um, well, yes. I mean, um, I was a college professor. I mean, yeah. I've been an administrator in a multi-special medical clinic. So it wasn't like a full-time, uh, job. It was, I have a gift and because I've been given this gift, I should share it with others. And, you know, and my calling or my purpose is to, um, to share this because I really think that all of us have this potential, maybe not in the, the way in which mine expresses so specifically Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, detailed, but that we all have that ability through our love and our connection to to do the miraculous, to be connected to the people we love, to be connected to spirit. Um, what I do is no more than someone being, it's different, but of value to someone helping another human being and being yeah. kind. And yeah. um, so it's um, a, it is a, it is my purpose in life. And that's yes. why now we have the book because I can't, you know, do this for everyone, yeah. but we can have this book, which says, I was just going to say it is potentially you too can do this. This is your birthright. It is my belief that our birthright through our love and through our spirit, we can grace one another. And it may yeah. not be the radio turned up full blast, but we like this, but you know, we all have that possibility. We've all thought of a friend or somebody from 20 years ago, and then that person calls us. We yeah. all have had those 
opportunities where we know we're on that frequency. Yeah. We're connected and we can't explain how that works, but we know that it does. Catherine, your book helps readers tap into their intrinsic capacity for connection and love, doesn't it? That's the main, one of the main uh, themes of the book. And, um, and it's not a how to book because we're yeah. also in, but it is more to say, you don't need to know how to just yeah. believe that you have this capacity. And yeah. when you feel you're connected to spirit or a loved one that's passed, then yeah. allow yourself to know that that is so. And don't go, oh, that's, uh, push it away. Because the more we push things away, the more we're not going to experience it. And the more we yeah. open to them, the more that flow and grace and goodness can come. And those gifts expand. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Catherine, I've just put your contact details up into the chat box because I'm conscious that we're running close to time and I want to sure. consciously keep you um, to your sure. time. But um, another question I was curious about is how do you suggest our listeners connect with their intuition and the divine? Well, I think, you know, people have different ways of doing that meditate. Yes. Uh, I think just being open. If I'm telescopic in the way that I look at my life and I only look at this is the parameters of what's possible and yeah. I'm looking with my eyes in a funnel, then I'm going to block out a lot of this grace and wonder, which is always surrounding and available to all of us. So I think keep a soft gaze, yes. keep your hands more open instead of closed because life will bring things into your experience. Yeah. And when you say, ah, that's grace or that's wonder or whatever you, you, you feel and stop. And, you know, gratitude of course is, is a, is a wonderful yes. thing to amplify all of our experiences. But yes. So I wish I could tell you there is some way to um, help people do what I do or yeah. have this gift, but but it's uh, definitely it's a it gift. is a gift, yes, and it's and it's precious, and and you obviously treat it as precious, Catherine. Before we run out of time, I just want you to tell the listeners the name of your book and where they can get it. Okay, so the name of the book is Beyond Ever After. A Heart-to-Heart -heart Journey Through Death in the Afterlife, and it's by Catherine Weisenberg and Jocelyn Montanero, and it's available on Amazon um, as an ebook or as a as a softback. You're in Australia, so yeah, yeah. I've put up your I've put up the name of the book in the chat box, and I've also put your uh, website up in the Great, chat box. Great, thank you. And um, we have and, a place. Oh, sorry. Go on where people can submit their own beyond ever after stories. Cause what we find from our readers is everybody's had some experience and they, many have never told anybody about yes. it. They're like, Oh my gosh. So that's another goal is to not make this so taboo just yes. to say, you know, um, we're all having these experiences of, of love and something bigger than ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we can share that. 
Catherine, what a delight it's been to have you on Radio Tony today. We have to pop on to a little break, listeners, but um, thank you so much, Catherine, for joining us live on Radio Tony today. Listeners, don't forget to jump onto Catherine's website, lovality.net, L-O-V-E-A-L-I-T-Y.net, and I'm sure you can Contact oh, and Beyond Catherine. Ever After about the book. It's really beyondeverafter.com would be the one to come Beyond to. Ever, there you after, go. Beyondeverafter.com. Beyond and there's a link to get the book. And yes. Fantastic. Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Catherine. Over to you, Ribble. After we come back from the break, we'll be joining uh, Gwenda Smith will be joining us. Thank you so much, Catherine. Have a lovely evening. Over to you, Ribble. Radio Tony on W4WN, your safe space for tough conversations.
Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl, discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook and audio formats, Resilience is a true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Available for download now through all good online retailers and in all good bookstores. Tough conversations on the social and moral issues of our time with Tony Lontis. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia, Radio Tony on W4WN. And welcome back to Radio Tony. This morning our second guest is the gorgeous Gwenda Smith, medicine woman, holistic intervention practitioner, holistic natural healer, life mentor and educator. Gwenda is an accomplished, inspiring, motivating speaker and presenter. Her methods are raw, real and she's a compelling driver for change. Her passion for wellness began at the age of 16 when she commenced her nursing career uh, in operating theatres as a senior scrub nurse. The many phenomenal experiences during these years brought a great understanding about illness and disease. In the current time, Gwenda presents workshops, international retreats, and is an internationally recognized keynote speaker on all things life, in particular mentoring and educating her audiences. She is the founder of Heal, Harmonious, Enlightened, Aligned Life, which offers clients the most authentic and complete holistic approach to health and wellness. She also also has the School of Wesh, an advanced school of wisdom, enlightenment and healing. So, good morning, Gwenda. Good morning, Tony. Wow, what a, uh, a lovely introduction. How are you today? I'm really good. A few technical <laughs> issues, but we've sorted those out nicely. <laughs> How's it over in Western Australia? So, listeners, I'm on the eastern side of Australia. Gwenda's on the western side of Australia, and we're meeting here on Radio Tony this morning um, for our special topic called The Courage to Live Your Truth. How are you, Gwenda? topic, isn't it? <laughs> It is. It is. Um, I think it will be a powerful, a powerful and challenging topic for people to listen to this morning. And I thought that I'd start by a little version of uh, living your truth that I found, and we'll go on from there. So, simply put, living in your truth means living out your joy. It means being a walking expression of what you feel within your very soul at the core of you. You never make a better impression than when you are not trying to make an impression. Living your soul is living your truth. Over to you, Gwenda. Uh, well done. That was a, um, an excellent expression of um, living your truth. And it sounds so easy, doesn't oh, it? Oh, doesn't it? <laughs> if you carried that little verse around with you and stuck it on your chest and had it on your back and had it on the back of the toilet door and just everywhere you looked, maybe it would be as easy <laughs> as it reads. Maybe. But it's not, um, is it? I'm going to slip back to the uh, the gorgeous Catherine that you were just uh, yes. speaking with a moment ago yeah. because I thoroughly enjoyed um, listening to her and knowing her path, knowing yeah. it 
intimately, yes. um, I know how much courage it takes for her to do what she does um, because it's been the same for my life and in either, even other ways to do with spirit. And they don't mind when they rock up to talk to you. They don't mind if you're in a, a public toilet or if you're in a queue at a band or uh, in a big restaurant. They don't mind. They just turn up and tap you on the back and go, I've got a message for that person there. It's like, oh, my God, now? Um, <laughs> Gwenda, what's, what's been your funniest situation? Oh, funniest. Well, actually, it is and it isn't because it, it never is just funny. But no, that's correct. I was in hospitality for a time. I came yeah. out of nursing and thought I would go and hang out with well people. Mm, I'll leave that there. <laughs> so I went into hospitality because, after all, hospitality is still helping people. You're still making people feel good. And, and yeah. so it all kind of gelled. Yeah. Well, there was a particular man who headed up part of the West Australian Tourism uh, Commission and he and I locked horns from the time we met. We <laughs> did not like each other one bit and we had to be together because we would travel overseas to do big international travel expos. Oh, oh wow. Anyway, um, you know, we would be cordial, we would be professional, but I oh, just don't. Just don't go any further than that. Anyway, we went to uh, the whole crew, the whole WA team. Yeah. We went to a, um, a huge expo over in uh, Asia and mm-hmm. we had to go out to dinner together. Yeah. Well, we get to the table, everybody sits down and there's one seat left at the table. And guess <laughs> who was missing? <gasps> Like, oh, you can't be serious. I have to sit next to him. (laughs) Yes, I did. There was, and he was the same. He waltzed in, and the look on his face was probably the same as mine. Um, Because you know, just to digress, just a tick, you know, listeners, that one in seven people you meet, you will not get on with. You are not meant to get on with everyone you meet and interact with. That's life. So one in seven people you meet, you will intrinsically not get on with, and that's okay. Sorry, back to you, Gwenda. <laughs> could, could even be three, Tony. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> so we sat together, and it was very awkward. <laughs> um, anyway, I get this tap on my shoulder, and I'm like, that, that can't be him touching me. <laughs> and I look over my shoulder, and I said, oh, not here, not now. Whoever you are, this is not the right place. And he said, this man in spirit said, you know, you to tell him. Now, we were in an Asian restaurant where a great big team of 20-odd people and the man that we, that he and I locked horns and his brother who <gasps> had been murdered. Oh, my up. Oh, my goodness. He's asking me to pass this message on to this man who he does know that I'm gifted and that's one of the things he doesn't like about me, right? That's one of the things that he did not like was he always felt that I could see things he didn't want me to see. So I'd say to him, what are you hiding? What are you hiding? And um, sometimes I would entertain myself with him. Um, (laughs) 
So there's his brother and, um, yeah, his, his brother insisted and I said to him, not here, not now. And yeah. he got annoyed with me. Anyway, he didn't leave me alone. He wouldn't leave me alone. And, and we're actually, I'm sure Catherine would um, confirm this, we yeah. actually can't turn our back on spirit. We're not allowed. Yeah. If they come in, they, we must do, we do must honour them. Yeah. Yeah. So I waited for the prime opportunity <laughs> to tell this man. The brother was right beside me. He got right into my auric space, oh. uh, not going to leave me alone until I did my job. And um, long story short, I did my job and <laughs> it was difficult. But when we were flying out of, yeah. um, of Singapore, this man came up to me and he had three beers in his hand. Yeah. And he shoved one at me and he said, I guess I could like you now. <gasps> Thanks very much for what you did. Oh, wow. <laughs> so to me that was one of my funnier moments because yeah. after that he was very different with me. Um, and we ended up having quite a, a comical uh, professional friendship. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's funny yeah. that he comes to mind. And um, his brother awesome. spoke about things that, you know, there's no way I could have known, like him sitting on the front veranda, steps describing the house of their grandmother and yeah. um, mother and things. So, you know, people always need that confirmation. So courage, courage I've, and um, yes. guts. <laughs> and it does take courage to do something that's really scary and in the example that you, you've just used, Gwenda, that carries forward into life. And so if you know that you're meant to do something, if you know that you're led to do something and you don't do it, it will continue to keep coming to you and you, it will take courage for you to step into that truth. And your truth will not be the same as someone else's truth, just like Gwenda and I are very different and our lives are very different. Our truth is very different. We may have lots of similarities, but living your truth is the most wholehearted way to live, isn't it, Gwenda? It is the, the absolute best way. The thing is, Tony, the thing that makes me really sad about it is that we don't even get a chance from the time we arrive. Yeah. We land in this world, boom, here we are, da -da, yes. and we are a brand new canvas. Yes, we may have some imprint from ancestral um, stuff and all that sort yeah. of thing, which, by the way, you can get rid of because you don't have to carry it. That's um, right. So we arrive, though, and well, we've arrived. Woohoo, look at this. But from that minute, everybody starts deciding whose nose you've got, whose hairline yes. you've got, who you look yes. like. It's like, oh, hello. Hello, it's just me. <laughs> it's just me. Yeah. And, you know, they start to take ownership of you and then decide as you start to show your uh, mannerisms and things, oh, look, she's so much like great-grandma. Yeah. What do you do? And it's like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm just yeah. me, but yeah. we don't even get a chance to express us. And then, you know, you have all the the conditioning, the way of thinking, the way to be yeah. and all the rest of it, and you just get further and further away from who you are and you don't know it. 
You no. have no idea. All a child wants is to be accepted, nurtured, yes. loved, liked, yep. and all those wonderful things. And, and they learn very early what not to do that's going yeah. to get you into trouble, which means you're not liked, which means you can't be loved, which means you can't yes. be worthy. Yes. And, of course, it just goes on in layers then. And you get yeah. in the workplace, it's no better. No, so the workplace you, can be pretty toxic. Oh, and you get to 16, 17 and you're hanging out to get there because you can get your licence yep. and yep. then you've got freedom and you can yep. go and do and be whatever you want. But then you have to go back into and the environment or anything else and now you become that other person again. Yeah. And I can only talk from uh, a female perspective of going into a relationship. I have mentored a lot of men, but uh, from yes. a female perspective, you have your first love and you think it's just heaven on a stick. Yeah. And then he dumps you because some other bird looks better. Yeah. And you're absolutely crushed and you're crushed because you were never you in the first place. You yeah. were never you in that relationship, but you didn't know it. Yeah. You have no way of knowing it. So you get so far through your life, but it's not a negative it's how we can learn so much more about ourselves if we are courageous yes. and if we want to learn so much more about ourselves. But, you know, Tony, so many people don't. No. So many people don't. They live what I'm, I'm going to say it because that's how I am. You yes. did introduce me that way. I'm raw. Absolutely. <laughs> they live a lie. Yes. You know, yes. Um, I'm going to use yes. a, an example that might really trigger some audience members and I'm just the way life is hey um women whose husband have had an affair yeah and they stay in the marriage but they never trust him again yep and then at the same time they bend over backwards trying to be as good as the woman he had the affair with because they feel so inadequate Mm -hmm. so they live a lie and every day they will say oh no he's been really good he's been really good since no it's all good no it's not that's a lie Definitely. And I know, like you said, everyone has their own truth, but the fact is that that woman has forfeited the truth of herself. Yeah, yeah. In desperation of hanging on to what she believes is her love. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so it does take courage. Such a disrespectful thing to hang on to. Yes. Like I know plenty of women stay in the relationship and I know that the relationship can be fixed. But for me, that's that's the end. Like for me, there's no no turning back. I don't know. What do you think, Gwenda? You've crossed the line. You break someone. I I agree. It's huge. But you know the biggest part of it, Tony, and the most empowering part is if the woman would choose to find out what that is in her, the power that you can get from that and the way you can tap into your soul from that is the most extraordinary and amazing thing you could ever ever do in your life and guys I'm going to say it's the same for you I know there are women that also break the trust um, and you can do the same thing so that is an even more courageous thing to do because when you're hurt and and your trust has been broken it's so hard to look to yourself 
You only want to look at the other person. Look what they did to me. They've hurt me. They've destroyed my life. They took this from me. But if you were able to take a big breath and place your hand on your heart and your hand on your solar plexus and just gently breathe into that, allow everything to quieten and ask yourself, where am I in this? Yeah. What is it that I'm really feeling about me? Mm-hmm. You know, I know a lady that um, I looked after and after one of these episodes and I asked her because she ended up extremely sick. And, of course, as you know, Tony, that's my yes, thing is your definitely. sickness comes from um, issues. Unhealed, yeah. Yeah. And um, she said to me that she could never tell him how hurt she was for what he did because she didn't want to hurt him. Oh, oh. Wow. Wow. I must admit I wasn't ready for that answer and I had to (laughs) gather myself a few minutes to go, oh, I have to think about this. Yeah, yeah. 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 So (laughs) how lost can you be? Uh, You can be phenomenally lost. So to to honour because that's the biggest thing is you're actually honouring yourself. You're honouring the truth of your soul when you search and find your truth. But, yeah, it's not easy. Your family will give you the hardest time. Oh, that's you know? just, oh, yes. Family, <laughs> I, I was people gonna... end up disowning their family or they get disowned by their family. Both, yeah. I was going to yeah. go to, Kyle's got a question, but I'm, I'm going to stick with this because I just feel to, to talk about this open, openly. In finding your own truth, sometimes that means that you will be uh, – it will cause you to draw away from your family and it will cause you to be separated from them. And I've got to tell you that that is a bit of my pain point at the moment. Um, I've had to draw away from some of my family and completely cut off one of those people because they were so completely hurtful and disrespectful and it's about the pain that they're feeling and it takes courage to do that. So all my life this particular family member has been able to do and say whatever they wanted to to me and I've not put up too much of a fight yes we've had fights and I've said that's not okay but after the last episode in which happened last week I've finally decided at 52 almost 53 that that's enough enough I am not putting up with that anymore and no, no, I'm going to ask you to do your own inner work and find yes. out what that is about you because that's where you will grow. It, you can't change that person. Exactly. And I was just, just going to say exactly that, Gwenda. So I've spent the last week looking into myself and going, okay, so what is it in me? What do I need to work on? What do I need to feel? What do I need to change? And that's hard work, isn't it, Gwenda? (laughs) It's painful. It's slow. It's yucky. But I know that it needs to happen. And it's liberating and it's the best 
freedom you'll ever, ever have and you'll never look back. And once you do it once, you don't shy away from it ever again. Yes. Okay. And the pain. Find out what this is. The pain of that situation is then replaced with um, what I call unconditional love and joy. So when the event is very raw and real, you feel pain, anger, all of those things. As you look to yourself and start to work on those things in yourself, you know that you're on the right track when you start to think of that person and you feel love and joy and there's no longer any anger. So I'm almost there but not quite. What I'm going to say for you and our listeners, Tony, is that if you don't find out what it actually means to you, what yes. is that pain, what is that anger about, someone else will appear True. in your life and treat Correct. you the same. Yes. Or you'll have um, a repeat relationship or a repeat work experience. Like yep. the lady I was working with, it didn't matter where she went to work. Yeah. She had the same thing and she would say, what are these people following me around? And I'm like, no, you need a mirror. Oh, you, need <laughs> you need a mirror. You've got to look in the mirror. Yeah. No, it's nothing to do with me. It's them and I've got – they just keep coming. Um, yeah, here's yeah. a mirror. Look. Yeah. Um, but people don't want to. It's much easier. It's like taking medication. It's much easier to do that than it yeah. is to actually find out what the problem is and sort it out. And yet – once you get on there, I said it's amazing because it really is. It, it intrigues yeah. me to go, okay, so how come I'm feeling pain? And yeah. I'll really delve down into that as I do with yeah. my clients and say, what is this pain? Give yeah. me a name for it. Yeah. Um, and then what does it represent? Yeah. You, know, if, um, you just must be in alignment with yourself. But how do we get there? We have to know who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Gwenda, I need to go back to Kyle's wonderful question mm. earlier in the show. How do we know if it's our truth? And I've got lots to say about this, but Gwenda, I want you to answer first. How do we know if it's our truth? truth. How well, do we know that we're on the right to path? Ask if it's your truth. Oh, there's, that's two different swords there or two sides to a sword. So how yeah. do we know if it's our truth? Um, if you have to ask that question, it's not your truth yeah. in a nutshell. Um, so if you don't know, then you're on the wrong track because yeah. when it is your truth, the feeling that you have within you is almost the most euphoric calm. Yes. It is like going to heaven. I've been there. So it's like yeah. going to heaven. It is incredible. There is no other calmness like it. It doesn't mean Definitely. that you don't get angry. It doesn't yep. mean that when you kick your toe, you don't say, ow, oh, that was funny. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like that. You know, I think people mis can misunderstand. Um, you manage those situations differently. You recover a lot quicker. Um, yes. And you continue to explore and evolve, but it's a feeling, Carl. You just know internally and you can feel a shift in your gut. Mm -hmm. It is simply amazing. Would you agree, Tony? I, I would agree. Once you find 
living your truth, walking your life path, when you're in alignment, all of those words kind of resonate with me. So when you're in alignment, living your truth, walking your path, there's a gentle calmness that surrounds you all of the time. And even though there'll be little things that happen, there'll be anger, etc., you just know that you know that you know that this is what you need to do. It's an intuitive feeling uh, and calm, uh, gentle, and, a, and an absolute knowing. So in talking, relating it back to what um, I'd been through recently when I was attacked by this family member, previously when I wasn't sure that I was following my life path and living my truth, that instant would have caused me to backtrack and step down and stop doing what I'm doing. In this instant, it just made me more certain that I was doing what I was meant to be doing, following my life path, etc. And for me, it also means that you don't try and distract yourself when difficult feelings come up. Um, and those, by distraction, I mean you watch too much TV rather than sitting in quietness and understanding um, the difficult feelings that are coming up. It, it, it means that you feel patient and can take the time that you need. You don't feel that you need to rush and you feel whole, healthy and well all at the same time. So those are the things for me that point to me being on my life path and living my truth and the ability to be self-reflective and look at yourself and go, mm, okay, I probably need to work through that, probably need to understand why that feels so painful, probably need to, like I need to work out why that triggers me. And you do all of that internal work as part of what you do now. So um, for Kyle, living your truth is that inner knowing that you are on the right path. And if you don't feel that, then you need to start, searching for what that means to you because it's not the same for me and it's not the same for Gwenda and it won't be the same for Kyle, will it? No, and if I can say that it is such a journey. It's not yes. It's not like reading a book. It's not like yeah. doing a, uh, a course. It's a journey. So and it one thing I think people um, get discouraged from it is because they try and knock it out as if it's a project yeah. and it's not. So small steps, Kyle, if you were to um, just each day do one little change by being more aware of how you respond to things. So each day choose one thing that you want to look at for yourself. Um, an example if something uh, has been rattling you, if something's been upsetting you recently mm -hmm. and then it comes back again today, then stop and take a breath and ask yourself, what is it about that? What is this? And then leave it. Don't spend time with that. Ask the question, leave it because your soul will answer. 
Yeah. And the other thing about living your truth is the more you do it, the more easily you can hear oh, the absolutely. guidance from your soul and from your heart. So rather than thinking of it as something you just knock out like a project, make it your life's path to live and make it something to really enjoy because there's nothing greater than knowing yourself and and there's no better way to live. You actually bring much greater joy not only to yourself but when you walk your truth, there's no fear. Um, there's nothing other than joy yes. and everywhere you go, you actually shower that on everyone else. And you attract Whereas- attract it to you so again from personal experience once I started on the knowing that this is what I had to do with my life I started to attract people like Gwenda and like any number of people that I've contacted in the last 12 18 months or who have come in contact with me beautiful souls that enrich your life and just that knowing, okay, these people are now coming into my environment and it feels wonderful, I'm on the right path. Um, mm. Gwenda, Sally's got a wonderful question. Do all people have a truth slash life path? Oh, Sally. What a great question. Wow. We're going to get right into that one and this yeah. will probably tip people sideways and, Tony, it might even tip you sideways. Excellent. Does everybody have a truth? In one way, shape or form, yes. Uh-huh. Is it the same for everyone? Absolutely not. Now, the second part of the question is the part I love the most does everyone have a life purpose? Now, this is where I'm going to really test your boundaries. Mm-hmm. There are so many different levels of soul. This world is a learning ground. Yes. It's a playground. It's a kindergarten for the soul. However, not everyone that is here is from what I call the heavens. Yeah. So some people come here for what I call R&R. They're R&R souls. Uh-huh. They are rest and recreation souls. Yeah. They do not come here for any purpose, for any pathway. They just like being here. They like being in the human suit or the human form. Yeah. Um, and those people you are sure to have encountered somewhere, they are the ones who have no inclination to do anything, They have no motivation to contribute. They don't want to contribute. Some people might call them sloths. They just meander their way through each day. They could not care less. And that's because they are only here to rest and relax. They're not here to ascend. They're not here for expansion of their soul. They are simply here to go for the ride. Yeah. So does everyone have a purpose? Well, I suppose you could call rest and relaxation a purpose. Yeah, you could. <laughs> um, but on the whole, the majority of souls do come because they have come to experience to enrich their soul. 
One of the other things I had written down in my notes when we were um, going to be uh, talking about this was the fact that uh, one of the things for me is that I feel balanced and I no longer am looking about to be completed. I, I feel like for the first time in my life I'm my true self that's awesome, Tony. And balance is a fabulous word. And yes, it is a feeling. You yes. do feel like you are um, beautifully centered from yes. um, what I call the eternal flame of life, which is the yes. flame of your soul. And it resides right in the middle of your gut, in your solar plexus. Yeah. Um, so when that flame is sitting, if you could imagine a flame sitting on top of a candle and it's sitting there ever so beautifully yes. and it's just flickering that's the sensation you have yes, that's it in yourself and it is yep. just divine um and so we're not no longer wanting to impress other people yeah you don't need to, um, validation no, do what they want or go into competitive mode yes. um you know all those things they are great signs that you are learning about yourself that you're yes. out of alignment but you're yeah you're yes. on a different path and mm. you don't take things personally like people will attack you uh from time to time but when you're in that aligned space um it, it doesn't tend to you don't tend to take it personally so no. it, it kind of bounces off i guess you'd say that um, it, it bounces off you um, and it falls to the side. It doesn't, um, whereas before, if someone attacked me personally, it would spiral me into weeks of depressive thinking that I wasn't good enough, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And again, now it te they tend to bounce off more readily. Again, that's about living in alignment and living your truth. And you also don't feel guilty about talking about your truth. Yeah. So you don't yeah, feel guilty yeah. telling your story. This is what I do. This is how I do it. Um, if you don't like it, that's fine. Um, if you do, great. Absolutely. Um I think the main the main thing for people to understand is the courage. Uh, you yes. know, the lion out of uh, Dorothy, the beautiful yes. movie Wizard of Oz, the lion yes. that thought he needed a heart, well, had courage. He yes. wanted to have courage. Everybody has it, but um, we don't use it. And there's a fear around yes. being courageous. So the and greatest honour you can... Sorry, Gwenda. Okay, the, the greatest honour you can do yourself is to have your courage to look into your heart. You don't have to go out and put a big banner up, this is me, I'm living me and I don't care if you don't like it. You don't need to do that. You can do it ever so quietly. Nobody yes. even needs to know. Yes. And situations when you're with uh, friends or family where you know that your buttons might get pushed or you feel yeah. particularly uncomfortable, yeah. make sure you have an out. Make sure you just slide graciously, always make yourself gracious and just slip away. Yeah. You don't have to answer to anybody other than yourself and God. That's right. That's right. There's a, a, 
a power. When you talk about um, courageous and courageous living, it's not that you don't or aren't fearful anymore. It's just that you know that if you step into that fearful thing, you're going to be okay. Mm. And it takes it, it, you have to take an action to overcome fear, don't you, Gwenda? Oh, yes. Yeah, you sure do. You um, can't stay in the same place and be courageous. You have to no. step out of your comfort zone. So it's you need to take action to overcome fear and be courageous. You um, might like to take up some daily practices of learning to believe in yourself as a starting point. Yes. Um, and and taking a moment to really look at yourself in the mirror because, you know, that's the mirror is an amazing place to be and so many people can't do it. Um, people is, that are getting ready for work or getting ready to go out, they're not actually looking at themselves in the mirror because they don't want to. They're yeah. putting their makeup on or they're doing their hair, but they're not actually looking at themselves. Make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas when you stand and you actually have to look at yourself bare naked, what's the first thing you're going to say? Oh, how beautiful you look today. Oh, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> No, that's not true, Tony. It's um, not. The first no. thing I look and see is my uh, left-sided face that uh, reminds me that I don't have a perfect smile. And there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the first thing. And I still have to look back into that mirror and say, but you are beautiful anyway. But it takes practice, right? It does it take even- practice. It takes courage, people, even to stand there and actually look at yourself. Yeah. So one thing that you could do is that each day, and you don't have to stand there for minutes. I know you won't be able to, but seconds, just get used to standing there and really observing you. And then when you get braver, stand there and ask yourself, how am I really today? But look yourself in the eyes in the mirror because now you're looking directly into your own soul. soul. Yes. And I know that you will look down, you'll look up, or you'll walk away until you get to that point. So small practices, back to Carl's question, um, small practices each day, little things. Don't put a whole lot of time in because your greater self, which is the conditioned self, will will (laughs) charge you out like a wild chariot on fire. Yeah. and your day won't be good. So yeah. small things consistently and hang in there and make it, make you your best project for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's that whole conversation around um, self-love and self-worth, self-worth and giving to yourself first so that then you can give to others if, if that's what, you want to do. Um, Gwenda Violet wants to know, can we really look within our own self? What should we look for inside? Great question, Violet. Over to you, Gwenda. (laughs) You do get some wonderful people. I love your audience. I love Um, my audience too. Aren't they the best? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
Thank you, Violet. Um, can we really look into ourselves? Absolutely. Why, why would you not be able to? Um, when you're looking in, you're going to the essence of you. When you're looking out, you're going to everything that has been created to be you. It's been created through the demands of others, the expectations, the limitations, the old beliefs. But when you look within and you do as I was talking about a moment ago, taking small practices, small steps each day, you come to that eternal flame of life where is, there is nothing except unconditional love and pure joy. Yeah. The question is more, do I believe I can? And am I brave enough to? Like Tony was saying about, um, you know, uh, the self looking after self and yes. um, self-love, self-worth, and they're all the key words of the moment. But, you know, so many people will go, I, I've got that, I'm fine with that, but they're not. They couldn't be more removed. Then yeah. why do they do that? Because they don't have the courage to really look in. It's and scary. they're throwaway words now. They're throwaway words. Everybody's on about worthiness and yeah. and a lot of people get scared um, by yeah. using them. So that's why for me I bring it down. I believe in practicality. I believe in simple, easy things because it's um, too easy for the conditioned mind, the, the greater self, to yes. step forward and um, berate you, pull you down, yes. um, particularly when you start using words like I love me, <laughs> it'll yes. have a party in the background. Sure you do. <laughs> Watch this. I'll show you how much you love you. Yeah. Um, you know, until you harness that thing, it's, it's got tremendous power and it will bring you undone in a heartbeat. So you can walk around your house naked singing I love me, I love me and I've got the hottest body and I'm full of self-worth. You're right. It'll trip you <laughs> up any second. So can we really look within our own self? I believe so, Violet, through practical, sensible practices each day and, and welcoming your soul to step forward. Welcoming. And, and, it, and one of those simple, easy-to-do practices is in the mirror, in the bathroom, first thing in the morning. With your hairs everywhere and you've got yeah. sleep in your eyes. Yeah. Yep. Um, it certainly is. But also first thing in the morning, people, you're actually more in tune and you're more aligned to your true self than you are in the rest of the day. So Tony is quite you've right. Had that uh, restful sleep, one would hope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then Violet also says, What should we look for inside? Well, yeah. that is uh, an incredible question, Violet. What should we look for? Mm. There's that word should. Can I? Yeah, good one, let's isn't have it? Let's a, a little bit of discussion about should. <laughs> you should be doing. You should not be doing that. It's um, it's an oldie. Is it a and goodie, a, Yes. <laughs> and it's it's one thing that I work really hard on on changing in my own life because I've felt that burden of you should be doing X, you should be doing Y, take should out of the equation. Yeah. It's a powerful word, isn't it? Yes. Um, 
it carries such a lot of weight with it that goes and onto our baggage shoulders. And yeah. ties. But it creates the uh, lack of self-worth. It creates the lack yeah. of self-belief. Yeah. Um, you should be able to pick that up. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Oh, of course I should. Of course I should. Yeah, it's five times my weight. But, yes, I should be able to pick that up. Um, yeah, like you, Tony, I took it out of my um, vocabulary a long time ago. And Violet, that by no means is a um, exactly a negative whatsoever. Um, if we're having a little bit of a, a laugh here about the power of that word. Word. Um, but I do like your question very much. Um, and it's what great. should. So what would we look for inside? Yes, that's better terminology. What, what would we look for? What would we look for? Well, I'm going to flip that on its head and say work it backwards because whatever life is showing you is what you need to look for within. So if every day you are finding that there are confrontations, that there are anger moments, that um, you're feeling um, unloved or not fitting in, not fitting in, that's always been me. I've never fit in anywhere and funny thing is I've never really cared. Um, But if those things are being mirrored to you in life every day, then what you would look for on the inside is what is that about that the soul wants you to understand. So what can you learn about you from what life is showing you? That's what I would suggest that you would look for on the inside. And keywords that I would be looking for and is what I love to bring is harmony, joy, peace, love, kindness. Yeah. The things that we... um, crave and we most often search for in up uh, to get from other people or get from a tangible item you know why do we go shopping because we feel good but not for long after those shoes that felt so good in the shoe shop first time you wear them out for dinner you're like a cripple can't walk <laughs> what happened there because your energy was in a totally different place when you went to buy them because you needed something you yeah. needed something to make you feel good I'm yeah. going to go a little bit personal here, if I may, Tony. Um, Absolutely. Because uh, Violet's question, I think I'll use um, my mum's current situation. Yes. My dear mum uh, has just been told that she's got cysts on the head of her pancreas. Now, she uh-huh. is a classic. She's been going to the doctor for well, a good 12 weeks now, telling him there's something wrong in her stomach. He has a feel and says, no, nothing there, nothing there. She keeps going back saying, I'm not feeling well, same old story. And finally, because of her insistence, they did some tests and now they've decided she's got a lot of cysts in the head of her pancreas. Now, my mother is um, a very late bloomer and has suddenly um, started bringing through the healing light of Christ. Yeah, And she's been doing some amazing healing for uh, people that she knows and they've all been blown away. And so I said to her, how come you're not doing it for yourself? Uh-huh. Why aren't you bringing that light through to your pancreas, mum? Now, I know the answer to this, but I said to her, why, mum? Well, I have been trying, she says. And I said, 
obviously you haven't, Mum. <laughs> said, no, I, I also, she deflected away and said, I also don't seem to have a new people to be able to share the healing energy with, um, new people to be my projects. And I said, that's because you are your project, Mum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you've been shown how you can bring that energy through for others. You've been shown that so that you will know you can bring it through for yourself. Anyway, my mother, we haven't got all day to talk about her because it could take a year. <laughs> She's very hard and she said, um, anyway, I'm just looking for other people to share Christ's healing light with. And I said, oh, please bring it to yourself. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to turn this around. So I said, mum, the pancreas is actually about insulin, which is about sugar and the conversion of glucose in your body. And what it represents is how you accept sweetness into your life or not. So, mum, what is it that has robbed you of the sweetness in your life? And that sent her into silence. And I said, you got it, mum? And she said, yes, and I know what it is. And I said, good, now get busy and fix it. Wow. Now go away and sort out what it is that you believe has robbed the sweetness from your life and please use that Christ light because that's why you've been showing it. These cysts, you could get rid of them in the space of 48 hours. You'll go back to the doctor and they'll say, where on earth did they go? (laughs) She said, okay. Okay. I'm going to ring her. I thought in my mind I'm going to give her a few days and I'm going to ring her tomorrow and say, how's it going, Mum? Wow. So, you know, Violet, that's another very important part of understanding the self. When you can know how to talk to an illness understand what an illness or any disparity pain that's going on in the body and you understand what it represents, then you can really know what you're looking for inside. Does that make sense? I hope it does. And Gwenda Jasper's got a question. How would you define okay or do we need to have that answer? (laughs) That's a complicated one. I'm going to hand that to you, Gwenda. Oh, gee, thanks. Um, <laughs> so, Jasper, I take it you mean when people say, how are you doing today, and you say, I'm okay. Uh-huh. Do you read it the same, Tony? I do, We're yes, that's page? how. Yep. Yeah. So um, how do we define okay? Well, you know what? <laughs> okay for me is going to be quite different. Okay for you. Yeah. It, um, it's a very individual. A, oh, it, yeah. It, it's so different for for everyone. Again, my okay is not. Sorry, Tony. Uh, sorry, Gwenda, you go first. It's um, it's so related to our truth because yeah. it is individual. It's unique to us. Yeah. What's okay for me um, may not be okay for you. And, you know, it's the same with how people speak to one another or the expectations placed on us. Some people let them run them off run off their back and, and they aren't the least bit bothered, whereas another person will turn themselves inside out, get anxiety, get a migraine, 
um, it's because it's not okay for them. Yeah. So okay is personal and I don't believe that we can just put one definition to it. No, no. You have to sit with yourself and work out what that looks like for you. Just as in determining what your life looks like, things that are important to me are not going to be important to Gwenda and vice versa for every individual person. So um, it's about really getting to know yourself and that journey of getting to know yourself. Things like I know that I love to give to people but to enable me to give to people, I need quiet time alone um, in meditation or quiet space to rejuvenate myself so that I am able to give and help people. And the same things would be for you, Gwenda. Absolutely. Um, I'm a little bit different to a lot of people who call themselves healers. Uh, mm-hmm. they, you know, they find that they run out of energy, that they are affected a lot by doing that work and that's because their own tank of self-acceptance, self-love is not full enough. Yes. So when and I giving to very others, much probably big- fall into that, that category. I, I, that's my learning space still. Empaths are all about that and I say to them, why don't you yes. mind your own business? Um, <laughs> because, uh, you know, being cheeky, haha, tongue in cheek, um, an empath feels everything and I'm like, well, how about you learn to harness your energy because you don't have to feel everything. That's it's right. not your business to feel everything. That's right. But once you understand it and you can pull it back in, then you can actually help the other person and look after yourself. What I like here is um, Jasper's other part of the question, Tony, which was uh, do we need to have that answer? Jasper, I think that is just a brilliant question. Yeah. We don't need to have anything. Because a lot of our time we find we are trying to justify ourselves, explain ourselves, and what's that all about? That's about acceptance. Yeah. And we just don't need to. So do we need to have that answer of okay? No, I don't believe we do. But, again, that's my truth. So for someone else, they may feel that, yes, they do have to have that answer. They they have to be able to say something. And okay kind of covers everything, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's the easy Glenda, way be- out. <laughs> Before we run out of time, Harper's got a great question. How can we keep our tanks full? Awesome, Harper. Um, we keep our tanks full by being very aware of how we begin our day, how we're feeling in ourselves, being in contact with our inner self first thing in the morning, setting our intention for how we want to utilise our energy, what energy we want to bring to ourselves and what we want to share out into the world. We set all of that as our foundation in the morning. We give thanks and gratitude and then at the end of the day, we close the day. Yes. So you don't ever take today into tomorrow. Once how night do time you close comes, your, sorry, Gwenda, how do you close your day, if you don't mind I me asking? Have, no, thank you. Um, not at all. I um, 
I'm really quite strong with my practices because of the, yes. the level of the work I do in the spirit world. Mm. Um, so I don't compromise on them because otherwise I can't do my work. So yes. um, I will close off my working day and that's it. It's finished. So if people want to ring me, message me, email me, they won't get an answer after 5.30. Uh -huh. right? So that's uh -huh. one part of me closing my day down yes. and then when I go and I'm, I'm getting ready to go to bed I start to uh, focus more on my breath I start to focus more on how my body is feeling I might even do some yoga postures or I might just stand in silence one place uh -huh. I love to do that is the shower because the shower is like a cleansing cleansing waterfall. yes so I'll stand under there and just let everything wash away. But I'll check in with myself before I go to bed and ask, is everything okay? Yeah. Is that word? <laughs> is everything okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but is my body okay? Anybody singing to me? No, all good. So then I go to bed and uh, after if my sweetheart's home, have a good night, cuddle and kiss, yes. then I go into prayer state. And uh -huh. um, I will pray and give thanks for all that has been in the day, no matter what it's been. Um, and I finish and close the day through the prayer of gratitude, thanks. And then I send um, healing and love out to all that, you know, everyone that matters to me in my world. Yes. Uh, and then to the greater world, I just pray for harmony for all. And that's it. Good night. That's the end of the day. Ah, oh, look. Gwenda, we are down to the last minute and I've got two questions. Harper wants to know, should everyone have an end-of-day practice? And Jasper wants to know, does everything wash away so easily for you? One minute. <laughs> okay. Should everyone have it? Yes, Harper, yes, I believe they should if they want to live a harmonious, enlightened, aligned life, um, a balanced life. And Jasper, does everything wash away so easy for me? Um, look, I tripped over my hose the other week and I had the biggest hissy fit when it cut me up and tripped me up. You wouldn't believe it. And I said a few choice words to that hose too. But you know what I did instantly when I threw it down? I said, what was that about? And the immediate answer I got was, you're all caught up in knots just like the hose. So then I oh. said, right. So I went and sat down and I said, right out then, self, what's this about? Uh -huh. And I got it sorted and it was done. So, Jasper, does it wash away so easy? I would say to you now at this point, because of In all the work life. I've done over mm -hmm. such a lot of years, mm -hmm. I can say it is easier. Yeah. yeah. And because I will acknowledge and take notice. And when I go to yoga if my body doesn't want to go into a posture or I struggle, um, I stop. I will stop and ask, what's uh -huh. the problem here? Okay. And then I release it and away I go. So okay. I come back to practices. So I hope that was helpful. Fantastic. Listeners, um, thank you so much for joining us online today. I love you all very much and I'm so appreciative that you provide us with such 
fantastic questions to answer each and every week. Gwenda, my darling friend, thank you for coming on Radio Tony again this week. It's a pleasure, as always, to have you. And wonderful listeners, this is your host, Tony Lontis. I'm going to have to throw to Rebel who to take me off air as we're out of time. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Gwenda, for being on the show. And I'll see you all next week on Radio Tony. Bye for now. Tony, goodbye. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony, with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio 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 Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7 pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mom.